Your old man was a fucking hump from Southie. Baggage handle at the airport, right? Family's all criminals except for the old man, huh? And one priest, since you seem to know everything. Well, last I heard, he was happily married to a 12-year-old boy living on a beach in Thailand. Fucking families dug into the Southie projects like ticks. Three-decker men at best. You, however, grew up on the North Shore, huh? Oladi fucking da. You were kind of a double kid, I bet, right? Huh? One kid with your old man, one kid with your mother. You're upper middle class during the weeks, then you're dropping your eyes and you're hanging in the big bad Southie projects with your daddy the fucking donkey on the weekends. I got that right? Yep. You have different accents? You did, didn't you, you little fucking snake? You were like different people. You a psychiatrist? Oh, if I was, I'd ask you why you were a steady making 30 grand a year, and I think if I was Sigmund fucking Freud, I wouldn't get an answer. So tell me, what's a lace curtain motherfucker like you doing in the Stadies? Well, families are always rising or falling in America, am I right? Who said that? Hawthorne. What's the matter, smartass? You don't know any fucking Shakespeare? The Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. So, Gabe, uh, a lot of feedback over your performance last week. And, uh, the, the consensus is that uh, Gabe needs glasses. You need glasses, basically, for saying that uh, Max Crawford looks like Steve Bannon. I actually had LASIK when I was younger, and since oh. then I've actually had to get glasses, and I can't see very close. And he was sitting kind of far from his from his screen. Uh-huh. I don't know if you guys remember, but you could barely see. So it was kind of far. I had bad vision, and I had very little sleep that night. And we did, we did. Uh, I did reach out to Max and said, "Hey, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to insult you like that." And he, he was a good sport. He didn't. He didn't take anything. Didn't think anything of it. No, 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 he's not going to. I mean, and and that is everyone should know that you you sent him a very sincere apology, which. Uh, I'm trying to look up right now. Can I, should I read it? Hey, I wish Max. you would. Okay, this is Gabe. Hey, Max. After our recording tonight, <laughs> I want to apologize to you for saying you resemble Steve Bannon. There were a couple of things at play here. You were very far from the screen, and I had very little sleep last night. As soon as Ben put up the picture, I thought, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have compared you to one of the most hated people in the country. It isn't even close now that I look back. I also was honestly trying to add something to the conversation. It went over like a lead balloon. Gabe loves to say lead balloon. <laughs> We've talked about this before. Yes. You are an interesting guy, and I'm sorry that I brought it up. I honestly got three hours of sleep, and I should never do any of these podcasts when this is the case. How much sleep did you get last night, Gabe? Uh, five or six. Okay, so you're not going to bully Kay Hanley. 
No, I think I'm going to be on my P's and Q's. Okay, because if you bully Kay Hanley, she'll probably kick your ass. Anyway, once again, I am sorry. You have a great story, and I hope the episode comes off as such. Ooh, next time I step into the Metro, I will walk up to you and tossle your hair. What? No, I didn't see that. Oh. You said, I will walk up to you and, and give you a handsome kiss. My apologies, Gabe R. But I didn't say it in the Beavis mode where I sound like butthead or Beavis. <laughs> okay, I'll read it again in the way that you actually sound. Mm, that's right. Hey, Max. It's like Barack uh, uh, Obama sounding. Hey, hey, Max, after our recording tonight, I wanted to apologize saying you resemble Steve Bannon. There are a couple things at play here. You look like Steve Bannon. No. Is that better? <laughs> no, but you know, people understand that it, it was not intentional. No, it was not. <laughs> it's not intentional. intentional. But, but uh, listening, listening back to the episode, I actually got a, I got a, a whole lot of laughs. It was, it was a good episode. I oh, you thought it was funny? Yes, I, I think uh, that might have been some of our best content. You know what I? Th- you know what? I felt when I listened back to it, horrified. <laughs> no. Horrified. Best content. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Best content. Yeah, that was one for the books, man. That was, uh, that, 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 that'll go on our reel for sure. For your consideration, the Lifers Podcast. I do featuring... like what, uh, go ahead. I, I like what Cindy, uh, Cindy Yip had to say about it. You got Cindy Yip to come out of hiding. Yes. The return of Cindy Yip just in time for this. She said, um, well, that wasn't a great thing to say about someone. (laughs) He did keep asking for banter, and that was banting him right to the face. How is old Steve Bannon doing this week? Did he get his uh, thing thrown out? Reversed? No, he he got convicted. He's, he's, I know he got convicted, to, but did he get overturned? I haven't heard anything about that. He's 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 trying to appeal, but uh, we'll see. Good luck, we'll see. Steve. We're pulling for you over here. <laughs> Hopefully, he'll make his way to the Supreme Court where they'll take care of him. Oh, yeah. They'll take care of him at the Supreme Court. No problem. He's got an in there. Yeah. Keep it up, Steve. Hey, speaking Actually, of- you know what? Steve Bannon, look, he looks like fat Robert Redford. That's what Steve Bannon looks like. So wow. when we have Robert Redford on the show and you say, hey, you look like Steve Bannon, that would actually be correct. The, uh, the condition of their skin, you're saying. Did you, did you see him stroke his chin? Robert Redford on the show. He's not aging well. Who is Robert Redford? I, I don't know who he is. I know, I know who he is. He was in The Natural. What? But who do we have on the show tonight? Oh, we, Scott already said it, but let's hear it again. In the mouth of our mouthpiece, Steve. I mean, we Gabe. Have, who's have, on? Who's on the show Ms. tonight? Miss Kay Hanley. Yes. Uh, uh, Where do we know her she's from? A, she's a woman of many facets, but uh, her first real mm. her first uh, entrance into the entertainment world was fronting Letters to Cleo. I believe. Yes. Yes, you're correct. But and her first there. solo record turns 20 this month or this year is it today um so she's gonna go do some shows she's doing the 20th anniversary thing the way that we are um and you know i mean Kay 
has done, she's really involved in a bunch of charities. She's involved in the hot stove, cool music thing that I did a few weeks ago. Uh, she's the voice of Josie and the Pussycats, the movie. What? Wait, is she? Is she the voice or I don't is know that? If she was the voice. She, she she was on the band the band that did some of the soundtracks. I don't know if she was the voice. Maybe she she's was done a ton of soundtracks. Ten things I hate about you. Have you ever seen that movie, Ben? Ten things I hate about you. Yeah. Watched it just the other night with my uh, daughter and wife. Oh yeah. Yeah. What does she think of it? My daughter loves this movie. What? Uh, yeah. Why? Um, I don't know. She finds it funny. I think she's in love with Heath Ledger in this movie. Oh. An early Heath. And oh, I'm she sorry. doesn't know what happened to Hang Heath on Ledger, does she? She knows. But she's aware. That's I'm, I'm not. Uh, she she thinks Keith Ledger is handsome, but the person that she said my husband about is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It might also be his first Ooh. movie. I don't Joseph get Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I don't. I mean, Looper is amazing, and he's a great Oof. young Bruce Willis, but. I, I don't get that guy at all. You didn't watch the movie where he's addicted to porn? Well, I like that movie, but it's not very good. <laughs> wow, okay. Not a Joseph Gordon. I like I like his early stuff. I like, uh, you know what I like? Holy Matrimony with, um, uh, what's her name? Arquette. Patricia Arquette, who I always love. Patty Arquette. Patty Arquette. And what was the she, first Patty Arquette movie you saw? Um, the first one that I fell in love with her was the, um, that, uh, Ben Stiller thing. Uh, oh, Flirting with Disaster. Flirting with Disaster. That's a good one. Remember we saw that movie, Gabe? Look at him stroking his chin that. again. I think I saw True Romance. Yeah. I'll tell you what it is. You're both wrong. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Anyway, um, uh, uh, hey, did you see Better Call Saul this week? Yes, I did. Hooray. I mean, I knew this scene was coming. And I was you so did. excited when it happened. Somebody, oh, yeah. some people had clued you in? No, 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 no. But wait, what are you talking about? Are you talking about when he, when, when uh, Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul show up? No. Okay, what are you talking about? I'm talking about a possible in for us getting, getting Odenkirk on the show. Oh, when he sings Brandy. Yeah, he sings Brandy. You're a fine girl. Well, I, I don't know if you noticed, but a couple of weeks ago, they had a Harry Nilsson song on there. And a couple of days before, or the night before that episode went up, I posted a cover that we did of that same Harry Nilsson big, song. Oh, I missed that. Up. What? Just coincidentally? Did you notice that? No. You didn't notice that? You didn't hear our cover of Perfect Day? No. Oh, yes, wait. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes. So it it appears that I might have an in with somebody over it. Yeah, you've got some. You're you're running on parallel tracks. Yes. Something must be going on. Like, right? Or else they're just taking cues from me. I don't know. What? I just saw a big palmetto bug and it's freaking me out over here <laughs> it's not fun well, why don't you go kill it uh because i'm afraid of it almost as as much as i'm afraid of anything but really oh yeah these things are not fun is oh, is it a big palmetto bug they're all big 
Is it Annie Hall where Woody Allen has to go kill the spider for Diane Keaton? We can't talk about Woody Allen movies anymore. Oh. In some movies, some guy goes into the bathroom, comes out, and he says, I didn't realize the spider was the size of a Buick. Yeah. Yes. He says, that spider is the size of a Buick. <laughs> but the way he walks into the bathroom and then walks <laughs> out right away is perfect. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm not messing with that thing. <laughs> Kay is coming up, Gabe, and I'm really worried. Don't worry. I'm, I'll be all right. You're going to be okay? Yes, I'll be fine. You've had enough sleep. Not enough, but more You than know much. that Kay Hanley does not look like Steve Bannon. Yes, I'll, I'll you know refrain from comparing her to anybody. Kay Hanley does not look like B. Arthur. <laughs> you know what? that Kay Hanley does not look like... What's that freak? Marjorie from... Taylor Greene. Yes. That's not who I was thinking. I was thinking, of what's the other Trump freak? You know, the Crypt Keeper one. Kellyanne Conway. You know that Kay Hanley does not look like Kellyanne no. Conway, right? Not, no. Okay, here we go. They, they might both have the blonde hair, but so don't don't get fooled. You're not going to get confused, right? No. All right, here we go. Hey, everybody, it's Kay Hanley. <laughs> We're just jumping right in. Kay, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. That, that oh. was so unceremonious. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's how, that's how well, we go. Your career like, is so long and awesome, we need every second to do We need to get in. Time to spare. It's been a while. I haven't seen you in a while. I haven't seen you in like three weeks, Scott. No, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> you 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 didn't stick around for the pizza adventure with uh, Ed and Chris and me. I didn't. I had to get home. <laughs> okay. I forget why. Oh, you know why? Because I had to go to Cape Cod to visit my family. You do that a lot. Yes. Visit I do. your family. I, yes. Because yeah. um, you know, Irish Catholics from Boston. It's very unusual for us to leave at all. Um. <laughs> But. Right. Well, let's get into this. Let's talk about where you grew up. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Yeah. You grew up yeah, across the street from the Wahlbergs. I did. What was Marky Mark like? He was the sweetest. We, he, was, he was kind of like the runt of the, I mean, I say that in the nicest possible way. Right, but like right. he was tiny. He was the little brother of a gigantic family. And, um, you know, the even by, you know, Boston Catholic families, his family was enormous. How many and, people um, were in that family? Nine. <laughs> and the unusual thing was that Alma, the mom, had three children, the Donleys, before she married Mr. Wahlberg and had um, Jimbo, Bobbo, Donnie, Mackie, <laughs> Tracy, Shelley. <laughs> What did Mr. Wahlberg do? I have no idea. Had a lot of sex. <laughs> right. Apparently. I have right. no idea. Okay, so there's Mark, there's Donnie. Is there anybody else that I would know? Yeah. Who else? Uh, well, Paul, who is a famous chef, and he is sort of the impetus behind Wahlbergers. I mean, Donnie right. lives in Chicago. Should we just call him and get yeah, him on? Yeah, and, yeah come on. Like, okay. <laughs> he's, he's right here right now. <laughs> and? So that's... Dorchester is is that where that is? Dorchester, yeah. I mean, what, what aside from the Wahlbergs in your neighborhood, what was that like? Uh, well, Boston in the seventies was, um, you know, it was a pretty harrowing time in the United States anyway. But yeah. 
Boston was grappling with some serious race and class issues. Um, and a lot of, um, there was a lot of violence. Um, there was a lot of crime. We live, we grew up in a pretty, um, racially diverse part. I mean, Dorchester is very blue collar and working class and, um, and there's a dividing line between like the black neighborhood and the white neighborhood. And um, I remember, a, you know, during that time, people were just figuring out how to pit people against each other for political mm. gain. Mm-hmm. And and um, and then we had busing in South Boston, which was like um, it, it was just a very weird, scary time in Boston. And um but we, our our little neighborhood clique, we um, it ended up kind of weird. Like when you grow up in Boston, and I'm sure Chicago is the same way. You know, yeah. working class Chicago, like you're supposed to do something very, um, you know, you'll go to school. If you're a girl, you'll train to be a secretary, and you'll get married. If you're a boy, you'll go to work for the, you know, you'll go to work as like a union cop and, uh, right. you know, basically you're supposed to do something very stable. You know, that was really the, the calling was to do something stable. But our neighborhood had this weird tweak in it that a lot of us ended up um, going into the arts <laughs> and like, you know, the Wahlbergs and, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm only in the second f- most famous band from my street. So what like, was the first <laughs> new kids on the block? <laughs> oh, that's right. I, I, don't even, um, I forgot. Gotcha. Johnny was in, I forgot he was a new kids on the block. I completely yeah. forgot about that. But like a lot, a lot of kids ended up coming out of the closet and, or becoming, uh, you know, things that like you just didn't do in working class Boston in the seventies and eighties, you know? Right. I mean, I remember busing in, in, you know, around here in Zion. And I can only imagine mm. how fucking crazy it must have been in Boston. I mean, people were throwing, adults were throwing, as black kids were being bussed yeah. from, you know, all over like Roxbury and Dorchester to South Beehive. Um, parents were, moms in house coats were out throwing rocks at buses full of black children. It was crazy. And... You know, that's kind of what that sort of like instability was what gave way to Whitey Bulger and like organized crimes, you know, Irish organized crime, which was not a thing until then, you know. Right. And uh, we lost a lot of young men to, you know, crime and addiction and because specifically because of how organized crime was able to kind of like give give these kids like a, a place to go. I really had no idea we were going to be, this conversation was going to start. In this oh, this is how we do it. Here we're we very go. serious here. Very serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So when did you start singing? Um, I started singing with actually with my, at mass with my mom at mass and um, my mom. Well, I, I, my, my mom would let, we were like super duper, as I've mentioned about 50 times already, very, very devout Catholic, yeah. especially my mom. And um, we weren't allowed to watch TV or, you know, listen to only certain records. But I was like 
but she wanted us to like take piano. So I took piano lessons. I was a miserable failure, but I was able to get by because I had this weird thing, which I didn't even know was like my weird brain thing, musical brain thing. When my teacher would play the melody on the piano, I would memorize it. And I would just like, I would practice by mem by what I had memorized and I would pretend that I was like reading when, and he thought that I was good, but I never really could read music very well. But I, I could just, I had this weird, like photographic memory for melodies. So you're like, the, like you're like Rain things. Man with melodies. Yeah. And lyrics. Like I can remember and once they're in there, I can't, I mean, it's good news, bad news thing. Cause once they're in there, I can't get them out. Like somebody mentioned, like made fun of Nickelback today at work and, <laughs> and what have I had? Like, I know every word to every Nickelback song I've ever heard. Cause yeah. that's just, that is a curse. Wow. That <laughs> is what happens. But <laughs> so it's still to this day happens. You hear a song yeah, once I, and you've got the melody and the lyrics. Yeah. But I made a career out of it, so. Yeah, you did. What bands and singers were you into as a kid? Like, what were you listening to? Um, I loved my first, the first album I ever bought was Barry Manilow Live. Okay. Double All album. Right. Here we go. Because yep. I heard, um, I heard This One's For You on oh. the radio, like <laughs> on my dad's AM radio. Yeah. And that, that song spoke to my like wee eight-year-old heart in a way that nothing ever had and i just was obsessed with that song and i wanted the record and my mom and dad were like well we're not just gonna buy you a record so i had to save up my allowance my third and i don't know why i got 13 cents a week for allowance why not 10 or 15 i don't know right um and so i saved up and my dad took me to leech Mia's in quincy and i went in and I bought Barry Manilow Live, and I just listened to it nonstop, and I'm still a total fan of low. Um, but then, and then I listened, oh, well, No, that's um, good. No, it's funny. I believe Ben has good. the floor. I, I do. Ben Thank you. Floor. Thank you, Kate. No, I just want to say before, before Ben gets into this, I think you were getting 15 cents a week, for, and your parents were taking out for taxes. That, that's what I think was happening. You think so? Yeah. Maybe. That's what was going on. Or maybe they were just trying to get one by on yeah. it cuz my sister would have noticed if No, that money's in no, your I retirement. No, I think my parents fund. I think my parents were just weird enough to uh -huh. give me 13 cents and just cheap enough to All give right. me 13 cents. Like 15 cents is too much. Like yeah. 10's pushing it. That's that's cheap. <laughs> but All right, Ben, what were you going to say? I was going to say, what is the best 70s 80s love theme from a movie and why is it ready to take a chance again by barry manilow from foul play thank you Kay. the floor is yours <laughs> that is the second best oh what's the first uh, Ice the first best the number one oh god you're speaking my language i was also a figure <laughs> skater but we could talk about that later um no uh let me tell you goodbye doesn't mean forever from the goodbye girl Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you goodbye doesn't mean we'll never be together again. You remember this, right? Yeah. No. What? <laughs> you know what? Scott goodbye Girl is playing song. on HBO Max, and I almost put it on last night, but I opted well, for Nobody's sequence. Fool instead. Have you not opening... seen the Goodbye Girl, Scott? Nope. Oh my God. Well, 
I wasn't allowed to see it, but I knew the soundtrack. So I've still never seen it. But so all I these songs are opening. better than uh, If You Get Caught Between the Moon and New York City? Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Ready to take a chance yeah. again, sure. It's crazy, but it's true, Scott. It's crazy, but right. <laughs> so what was your first concert? Wow, you can't remember. Well, I wasn't concert. allowed to see concerts. Uh-huh. So I'm about to blow your mind what my first concert oh. was that I was allowed to see. Okay. Prince. Oh. At the Worcester Centrum, eighth grade. Uh, Sheila E on drums. Nice. Um, but how could that have been? And that was the, uh, I don't know why Sheila E was there because it was the, maybe she opened because it was the uh, Purple Rain Tour. Okay, so she was, she had glamorous life happening. Yeah, would have opened, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that makes more sense than her being. In I got a, place. I got another question that's Massachusetts <laughs> well, related. Here comes Ben. Sure. Worcester. <laughs> you say Worcester the way you say Worcester, right? But then why don't you say yeah. where you're from is like Duster? Shouldn't Dorchester yeah. be Duster? <laughs> Great, because there's an H in it, right? Uh, you know, I, I really don't know. I think it has to do with some kind of like, uh, I think, I think Scott, you might be onto something cause there's that, that, uh, the consonant in the middle, uh, or the hard consonant in the middle, hmm. Dorchester, right. Worcester. But I right. believe it's How because you of lived the, in you LA? Know, the English, English origins. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Worcester. Yeah. <laughs> right. How long have you lived in LA? Almost, I mean, my kids were four and eight months when we lived, when we moved here. Uh-huh. And Zoe Mabel, my daughter is 23 and already has moved back to Georgester. Right. <laughs> That's where she lives. And, um, and Henry is about to start his sophomore year in college. So almost 20 years. I mean, you still got the accent. You still got the Boston attitude. I'm kind of putting it on for you. Oh, is that? No, we, we went to that ball game the other day or the other week. You, you, know, you were talking about like getting pissed off at other drivers and you know how you, you're kind of aggro when you drive. And the Boston was, was totally there. I mean, you're like the least right. L.A. person I've ever met. Oh, my gosh. Really? Well, oh, yeah. I, you know what I say about that is that I'm on like the longest business trip ever. <laughs> right. like I just I just I'm just like any minute they're gonna let me out right. they're gonna stop hiring me but I I have a great career out here so like I can't leave and I just started a new job which is gonna keep me here for hope for, I mean good news bad news you know another decade maybe. what's this so, what's this job um it's an anime I've I've been in. You want to just skip to to my job? We'll now? skip okay. twenty five years. So, we can go back we'll and forth. To, we can go back. We're like Citizen Kane here. We don't have to be like linear. <laughs> For the kids, we're like a Tarantino movie. So. <laughs> and I have terrible ADHD, so this works just great for me. Um, I so I've been working in animation for the last decade, mm-hmm. and. Um, I and my writing partners sold a show to Disney Junior called Kindergarten the Musical at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the pandemic, this past spring, it got greenlit. 
So uh, I have my first, I've, I've been working as a composer in animation for 10 years and I, you know, I, I love it. I just write songs for cartoons all day, every day. It's the best. And, um, and now I am executive producer on a series that I helped to create. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like did that start with the, when you did the, uh, Jesus Christ superstar thing that like people were just like, we got to have K for every project that comes down the chute. That's, that's funny. You just like pulled Jesus Christ superstar out of your ass. That was wonderful. Thank you. No, that, I mean, that was like its own little like lightning in a bottle moment. Um, so, uh, and I don't act. So that was like one of my very first, like my only stage appearances was Jesus Christ Superstar. But no, I, um, I, uh, I was always, you know, when, when we were doing Cleo, I don't know if you'll relate to this at all, but um, I loved being in my band. I loved writing songs, going to rehearse, like working a double shift at the, at the restaurant, going to rehearsal. It was like my escape. It was something that was all mine. It was like endlessly fascinating. It was like, I, can you believe I can fucking do that? Can you believe I, like I can write a song? Like it was yeah. so weird. Like, how is this possible? How did, and, um, and I just, I loved the process of it. I loved you know, being in Boston and just the camaraderie about being with other bands. And then we signed a major label deal and we, um, and we had a hit song. Right. And then all of a sudden people were like, well, why aren't you wearing the pigtails to the, you know, that I had in the video? Why, why did you dye your hair red? Like, how are people supposed to know? And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, wait, I have to do like people get to tell me how to do this now and it was uh really fucking aggravating to me and I felt embarrassed that like um I just never was comfortable I just spent the not the entire time I'm not saying that I had like a miserable time because everything that I did in Clio was what gave me like just opened the door this much to the thing I really wanted to do, which was to go behind the scenes and like write for other people, write for other projects, produce things. And like, that is where the joy comes is like being creative yeah. as opposed to the selling myself. I've never really been, I've always felt like very, uh, just sort of, uh, resistant to that, like defiant, like I don't want to do what, you want me to do but did you ever feel that way did you ever feel like embarrassed about like having to sell yourself as like a or um, maybe embarrassed is the wrong word but like yeah i mean sometimes i just didn't feel like it you know and, and sometimes i i look back and i go maybe i should have been a little easier to work with you know but <laughs> yeah you know okay. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I honestly just don't feel like I was cut out for the big leagues. You know, it was just that kind of thing. Like, yeah. I don't really belong here, you know. I feel that. I was cut out for different big leagues, I well, guess. I how, mean, kind of. Yeah. I'll, I'll, how did Letters to Cleo start? Let's, just, let's start from there. Okay. So, um, in 19... So, to back up a little bit, um, you know, I, I have been... I my mom started playing guitar at mass. Like there was like this very like cool folk 
group that came to St. Greg's and they played at the noon mass and my mom was like, woo. And so she bought a 12 string guitar and like and started playing like church songs from glory and praise. Right. So like shout out to glory and praise. Like, Did she have like these long flowy dresses? Did she, no, was she like Judy Collins? Um, oh yeah. yeah. Now that you mention it, yeah. she kind of, she kind of was. Yeah. A little bit. Cool. So she started playing these songs and all of a sudden I heard like, harmonies to what she was singing so i would just sit on my mom's bed while she was practicing and singing and and uh and then one day i picked up her picked up the guitar um years later after we had kind of been singing together and and uh and we sang together at mass and then like i sang at a bunch of people's like weddings and stuff like folky kooky wedding songs and uh-huh. and um and so uh, in like 1988, 87, my uh, my cousin Greg, my cousin many times removed, Greg McKenna was oh, starting a band, and he was like, I know Greg Sebastian, mm-hmm. and he was like, he knew that I sang at Mass with my mom, and he was like, uh, he was like, hey, I'm starting a band. You want to be the backup singer on my band? And I was like, fuck yeah, I want to be the backup singer yeah. in your band, <laughs> and so. Um, so the bass player, so Greg McKenna wrote all the melodies, all the lyrics for the band, the bass player, this band was called Rebecca Lula and, um, our bass player who was like his main influence was Debo Uh and he was the lead singer and I was the background singer. And like, there were a couple of songs that I'd get to sing, uh, lead on and, um, and then I graduated from, and that was like in my, right at the end of my senior year of high school. So let me ask and, you, the, the um, songs that you sang lead on, did, did they get the best response? I don't remember. I bet they did. What do you I guys think? Really, you I was really, I was think that's really what was cute. happening? I was really tiny and, and adorable. So uh-huh. probably. <laughs> and he was really tall and dorky right. and like skinny, like a big Adam's apple, a runner. Yeah. bass player with like a big five string bass so he was a nerd um he was five lovely string bass I, yeah oh, i think so oh no oh yeah oh, no. well he did i don't think he did. had a five string bass no 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 but if they did it would be cool yeah yes it would like we would was... have a different <laughs> idea of the five string bass if Debo had one <laughs> at least if they had flower pots on their heads that, that, that helped right um so one day Greg and I, probably like two years into it or something. Oh, and by the way, I was, um, so in senior year when I started my band, I was uh, I was a janitor at Boston City Hall. That oh. was like, so, um, but this was kind of like, you know, a nepotism kind of thing. Like if you were, you know, a Boston, like if you were really lucky, your dad worked for the city and could get you one of these jo- cushy jobs working for the city doing something and making a ton of money. I mean, for Teenage standards. The custodial arts is not something that you usually hear nepotism get thrown around in. <laughs> well, we are talking about Boston. You know, yeah, yeah, Boston. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, go clean that toilet is not something like, yay, dad. Well, the nepotism part came, it turns out, really came from the older guys that were, like, running the, like, street number, which is just the ma- the mafia's version of the of the lottery so like there was the daily street number and then every friday like literally a truck would roll up like a truck would roll up to the 
to the um to the loading dock to the, the thing would go up fake rolexes like all, just all the because the north end was like right down the street so the actual real italian mafia was like doing anyway um so i this has wow. nothing to do with anything no it's awesome i, I love I this did. stuff i love this uh, <laughs> departed crap that you're laying on me <laughs> so uh i actually my prom did my high school prom date boyfriend dennis lynch was in the departed and played um jack nicholson's like henchman that? yeah did I you guys hear that, that? Was, she did the right. departed the departed <laughs> oh my uh, god um so i was i was um a janitor and right. all the older guys just like sat on their asses and the teenagers did all the work so i really did have to be a janitor and so my i dumped the trash on the seventh floor on the seventh floor was uh this really kind of like this guy who was like in the rock scene his name was michael creamer right and I used to dump his trash and he was like managing bands and then one day i showed up to dump his trash i was like hey i'm in a band now and he was like oh i'll be your manager i was like great so wow. he's been my manager ever since wow literally. and i fire him every day um <laughs> yeah so um my so where was I with it? Oh, yeah. So one day I showed up for rehearsal. Yes. And you and Greg before got together. Me and Greg right. showed up. And um, before everybody else. And Greg had an idea for a song. And he he had, like, the lyrics written down on, like, a scratched on a notebook paper and um, and started, like, playing the chords. And I'm looking at the lyrics. I had no... You know, it wasn't like I was going to be singing it or anything. I, but I was looking at the lyric, listening to him play, and all of a sudden, this melody started forming in my head around these lyrics that he had written. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "What is happening right now?" And I started singing the lyrics that he had written t to what he was playing, and he was like, "We were both just like, what the fuck?" Right. <laughs> and um, and a couple of months later, we fired the whole band and started Letters to Cleo. And then you put out your first record, and then. Like what? Like here and now got some traction, and then Giant signed you guys while that was happening. I mean, how did that go? Well, did you we, put it um, on an indie? We put out we we put out our first like tape, our first cassette tape, and it got some. You know, there was a, the thing about, and I don't know if it was this way in Chicago, but in Boston, we like there was FNX and BCN, right? And they would both. They both had like hugely popular local shows right. on their radio station. And frequently, it was not unusual for a local band to be in like regular rotation next to like the big, huge major label band. So you could become like hugely popular in Boston. So, like, we had a couple of s songs that made it from our, from our tapes that we would put out. Um, and, um, and then, of course, you know, we had like the most active zine scene and, Right. And, uh, you know, college radio. So it was just like this unbelievable place to like feel like you were part of something and and other people were doing it, too. And and uh, and we would, you know, for years, we, you know, starting in the when we started Clio in 90, um, you know, like we would work at Double Shift and like leave on Thursday. We had like this we would have like a revolving series of like horrific vans that we would take on the, and we would just like go up and down the eastern seaboard and then every once a year around south by southwest 
we would do like a bigger tour that we would base around like Cracker Barrel um, maps so that because we knew exactly what we could afford at Cracker Barrel to, to <laughs> feed ourselves. And, right. Um, so in 93, we had put out our um, uh, Cherry Disc, which was a local Boston label, put out our debut album, um, Aurora Gorealis. And Great name. we were on. Thank you. We were on. We named it literally when we were high in our van, Good. looking at the Aurora. We had just played a show in Maine or something, and we saw the Aurora Borealis. Anyway, um, so we're on our way to South by in our crazy van, and um, and I remember Stacy just being like, <laughs> "It's like." Who is this Veruca Salt? Like, everybody was talking about Veruca Salt that year. Everybody was yeah. like, Veruca Salt this, Veruca Salt that, nah, nah, nah. Mm-hmm. And, like, we couldn't, we could not get arrested. Like, no one gave a shit about us at all. <laughs> and we had just, but we were like, we didn't care. We were used to it. And, um, and so, but the day that we got to Austin, um, Steve White from Billboard Magazine who was, you know, a fan from, he was a Boston guy and he just happened to be the editor of, of Billboard. He ran a review of Aurora Gorealis on the cover of Billboard. Nice. And, uh, and Michael Crema and mm-hmm. our booking agent, Larry Webman, who's now, you know, very successful booking agent, but um, they ran to Kinko's and mimeographed a bunch of these and then went to mimeograph. Nice. (laughs) I think they mimeographed them. I don't think they were like, I think that, I mean, or maybe that's just what we were. I was still calling it at the time. I don't know if they literally mimeographed them, but, um, and then they went and passed the review, the cover of billboard out to all of the A&R people who were on their expense accounts at the Four Seasons. Right. And our show was packed right. that night. And we got taken out to our first breakfast by Bennett Kaufman from RCA Records the next morning. Would you And have? we did not go with him. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, we didn't. But I love, but I've been waiting for like a major label to like give me some food. Right. <laughs> that was like. Would you have? Like, um, it was breakfast and I don't like eggs, so I probably had like a lot of carbs and like a bacon okay. <laughs> and potatoes. Yeah. So, and a lot of coffee. And, um, and a couple of weeks later, um, Jeff Aldrich from Giant Records, um, came to Boston and, um, he was, so this was, this was, um, Irving Azoff's label. Mm-hmm. And, um... And he said to us, he was like, hey, so, you know, I'm putting out this Melrose Place soundtrack and uh, Amy Mann is on it. The replacements are on it. Dinosaur Jr. was. And we were like, can we be on it? Right. And uh, and he so (laughs) he was like, absolutely. And so we remixed here and now we signed with Giant Records. (laughs) They put us on the thing. And the next thing you know, we're playing like. We wanted to fucking stab ourselves because they wanted us to play all these like Melrose Place parties, <laughs> and it ended up being kind of like, I mean, it was. I didn't. I was super resentful about it because it was so lame. Yeah. But like, but being played, having our video played at the end of because Amy Mann was too, so I didn't feel that bad about no, it. Fuck that. Um, yeah. 
I mean, it must have been crazy. I mean, it, that song blew up. Yeah, over. I mean, but that's how overnight happens. And you, you just couldn't enjoy it because you were like, "This is lame." So you just missed it. Um, I can't say that. I can't say that I didn't. I, I, I did stop answering questions about Melrose Place after a while. But we never stopped playing here and now. Like I always loved that song, yeah. and like, um, and I, I think j- just things got weird. Really, when the second record came out, that's when I was kind of like, things. You know, I, I I did feel bad when I would come home and people would, you know, be like giving us shit about Melrose Place and stuff, or I would see snarky things about like we're the Melrose Place band and I just felt like but then again like I didn't take us seriously either so like no you know I didn't no no I mean Wholesale Meats and Fish uh, that's a I mean we're big fans of that around here and I mean to me that's a serious record you know so thank you uh, I mean you must have taken yourself a little serious we took the work seriously I took writing very seriously like right I took writing very seriously That's but the rest of it right i was just like you know fuck you like yeah. you're criticizing me for writing a song in a way that you don't like i just was so it just seemed so beneath me yeah <laughs> like and i don't say that in a way that like it just seemed absurd to me that like here's something that i'm doing that is just so completely um impractical like I can't even believe that I'm doing like I'm a lead singer in a band like how right. am I going to get out of this right. you know and like <laughs> and like this is not this is not part of the plan yeah. but then again I, I didn't know what else I would do so I don't know it was just a very strange time I think as I was saying the 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 weird part came when I when we showed up to do the video for Awake from Wholesale Meats and Fish, mm-hmm. like a year and a half. And, and they were, I had dyed my hair like fire engine red. And they, re, the label was kind of like, mm, I don't think people are going to recognize you anymore. And we don't really know what to do with it. And what the and fuck color like, was your hair in the hair and now video? I don't w- blonde with a ponytail. Okay, and they right, wanted okay. me to look like. If you had told I me it was blue, ponytail. I would have been like, "Oh yeah, of course." <laughs> okay, yeah. But I took the ponytails out when somebody recognized me at a. Um, <laughs> right. Someone recognized me at a laundromat, and they were like, "Hey, you look like that girl from that video." And I was like, mm. <laughs> "And I never wore ponytails again." I mean, I did, but right. not as frequently. Well, you're probably. <laughs> Responsible for Gabe being such a huge Melrose Place fan. No, no, no. We I used to watch Melrose Place with the old drummer Joe Daniels, and we would hear that song at the end of the show and be like, "Who the heck is this?" We, you know, because we didn't know. You know, we're like, and then a year later, you know, I'm I'm on tour with the guys, and we're in Canada, and I get this sampler with Demon Rock on it. I'm like, "Oh hell yeah, this is who this is." (laughs) So it wasn't here and now that 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 caught my ear. It was it was the second record. No, the second record's great. Remember Thank when you, you, where were we playing? And you came out and and did Fastway with us. It was it was in Boston. Oh my God, that's right. Wait, where was it? It was in Boston for sure. It was at was some it? radio festival, and you know, I don't I don't think I realized how rare this was, but I don't know how. I, I don't know 
how this happened, but I was like, you should come out and sing Fastway with us. And you're like, cool. And you just drove out there and got up there and, and sang the song with us and you were fearless. And, and it was like, this is great. Do you remember I that? did not give a shit. Yes. Yeah. And I think, but we were on tour together too, right? I mean, were we, we did a, lots of dates together. Yeah. God, do you remember festivals? maybe were, on festivals there were radio festivals and stuff where where the bands were together i don't know if it was a tour but uh, maybe yeah. a couple back-to-back you know radio shows or something oh yeah. that must have been because i can't i can't figure out like when it would have been like hey we're doing this thing you should come out like how did how did that happen do you remember i i think it was that i think we were just touring on like i felt like we were homies like yeah. maybe you Maybe you don't remember it the same way. No, but we I were. Do. And I'm just, I was trying to figure out how that happened today. And I, I honestly, it's a, it's a uh, blank spot in my memory of how we started, you know, hanging out and stuff like that. I honestly think it was just like those radio festivals. I think Gabe was absolutely correct. You don't, remember, you don't remember going to a pool hall in Boston and they all came out and played pool with us? Yeah, I remember that. But oh. I was like, why? Why would, why would those guys want to hang out with us? It's, for me, I was Because like, we loved you guys. We were super <laughs> huge fans. And, 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 you know, and we were just, we were peers. It's kind of like when you're, I don't know. And plus, we love shooting pool. So yeah, I, did, I would do that every day. You were a fucking shark.
Maybe that's when we Go first met, it. though, was on that, that fig dish sponged dustbin tour. Because like, there was so much Chicago going on. Yeah, and I, I think um, we were in Montreal the same time you guys were in Montreal. And we were on tour with Corrosion and Conformity. And as soon as we were done, we ran over there, and I think we caught the, just was the end of your set. Was that when we got detained at the border and strip searched and stuff? And almost, or was that Toronto? Well, I wasn't uh, with you. No, it wasn't. <laughs> What's that? I wasn't with you. Well, but I mean, it was like, it might have been. Well, it it would have been a big um, topic of conversation for all of us because we were pretty shaken up. But maybe that wasn't the thing. Um, I don't know. I I really have no idea. I think we just bump. It's sort of like there's a lot of people from that period of time that we just like passed each other on the road. And it was just like, hey, what's up? You know, like we just like were crisscrossing the country in our twenties. Yeah, you know, all doing the same thing, and all of us just kind of like, can you fucking believe this is happening? Yeah, <laughs> I think all of us just like a little. It was such a magic time in radio. I feel like because because it really was like a girls and boys club. You know, there were a lot of women. Uh, this like five minute period of time, yeah, when rock radio was playing a lot of women, and, and like we were headlining the festivals, we were selling right. the records. We, I mean, they would still only give, they would only add one girl's record per week, oh, but, uh, but uh, they would only have two girls in rotation at yeah. any given time. But, but when I think about those days, like we shared the bill with a lot of female led and female driven bands, and that's not yeah. something that lasted you know but that was nope. there, there was that little time where you know we were constantly on a bill with chick bands and we you know we thought it was yeah. great you know yeah i mean we were all peers and it kind of i mean i think it really mirrored what we were experiencing in our hometowns you know like everybody was you know girls boys you know gays straights black white you know it's like our music scenes were such a we were just like light years ahead of where everybody else was. And I think we really brought that into a national spotlight and you're right. It didn't last. And the next thing you know, we're getting blown up by the fucking nookie yeah. and, um, <laughs> and it was all over. Yeah. I, I never see females on, on, I mean, you do like one, but like rock radio is like not friendly, not, you know, ever since then, it's just never been the same, really. Right. I mean, but like those stations that you mentioned, like FNX and BCN, those stations had juice back in the day. Yeah. And so it was like, like if we got added to those stations. The label was ecstatic. They're like, you got on yeah. FNX. I was like, cool. Yeah. 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 It was a very big deal because those stations drove. It wasn't. It was also a time when you couldn't own more than three radio stations. You know, a, a, a company or a person could not own more than three, not just in a market, like in the country. Right. So there was like real competition. If you got added to FNX, you know, unless you were huge, BCN wouldn't add you. Like if you did stuff for like BCN and FNX were like always jockeying for position to get, you know, bands to do exclusives with them. But if you got added to either one of them, that meant that like the edge in Dallas would add you or, right. you know, it, it was just like, there was real competition that, um, 
for for bands to like come to your you know and, right. and now it's all obviously so homogenized i don't mean to sound like back in my no, day no there's a lot of stuff that's much better for artists now right you know? right well i mean you sound you sound like somebody who might be on the board of some uh <laughs> some something like a songwriter advocacy nonprofit. yeah yeah how'd you yeah, get involved with that maybe um, well, Michelle, my writing partner, and I started it. Oh, we, yeah? Yeah. I didn't so know that. So, Michelle, so it, the uh, nonprofit is called Songwriters of North America, and we um, we fight for the protection of songwriter rights and the value of our music in, in the streaming economy. That's really basically, in a nutshell, what we do. But um, the way it happened was Michelle and I, so Michelle Lewis and I have been writing partners for, and actually Nina Gordon introduced us when okay. I moved to LA. Nina and Michelle were in a band together, and uh, and they had a band with Tracy Bonham. Wow, and Tracy, Tracy Bonham. Bonham. So it was Tracy Bonham. We went on tour with her. Tracy that? Bonham. Oh, yeah. yeah, she yeah. was great. I mean, She's great. I, I'm still friends with her. She just opened for Cleo last year in um, in New York. Oh, awesome. Um, so Nina, Michelle, and Tracy Bonham had a band together called the Somethings. Why can't I remember the name of our band? <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so Tracy had to leave to go on tour with Blue Man Group. And um, wait, 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 so, wait, 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 wait. Tracy Bonham was in Blue Man Group. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Not as a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> no, she wasn't a Blue Man. Okay, what was she doing in Blue Man Group? I don't know. Singing. Painting. She's <laughs> or maybe she like playing violin. She's a multi instrumentalist. That's right. She she's plays a violin. Baller sing. I mean, That's her right. singing is ridiculous. Yep. So she had to leave. And Nina was like, hey, my friend Kay is moving to L.A. We should talk to her. And so I moved to L.A. and I talked to them and we, I joined the band and uh, and we made like an EP. And um, and then Michelle and I just like kind of clicked on this and we started like going on hikes and we would like hatch what we were called what we called our cockamamie schemes and uh-huh. we would like want to do all these things and we were yeah. like one of the things we wanted to do actually was create television shows hey, uh, their band was called two... their band was called the dilettantes that that's me and michelle had a band called the dilettantes yes but that was yeah. post nina right oh okay so then this yeah. is wrong keep digging nina, think, keep digging ben i think our our band with nina was called Maybe we called ourselves the Lady Apples or something like that. The Lady Apples? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe that was one of the practice names. I don't even know what that means, Um, but it sounds dirty. No, there's. It sounds like like something Fergie would talk about. Me and my Lady Apples. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you guys are hatching schemes. So we, we actually, during that time, we sold two shows to Disney. And Which that ones? was actually how we got hooked up. Not none of them ended up going. Okay, we okay. sold them, and they never went. They never, you know, they never right. went into pr- development or anything. But basically, what we did the first time was just like we didn't know that you didn't just like call up the head of of, of <laughs> development for right. at Disney Junior and be right. like, "Hey, right. we have. Can we come in <laughs> yeah. and play song?" So we did, right. and they were like, "Oh, okay." And so, um. So they they we sold two shows to Disney that never went anywhere. But because of that, 
um, they knew that we could like write music for television, that we had like a big vision for, um, you know, for like characters and stuff like that. So when the music for Doc McStuffin in 2010, um, there was a show, we got a call saying there was a show that was going to pilot called Doc McStuffins that the music was in trouble and could we come in and consult? And we were mm. like, ooh, consult? That's wow. very grown up. Yeah. And we were like, yes, we'll come in and consult. <laughs> and, um, and we came in, we met the, the creator of the show, Chris Nee, who seemed a little bit annoyed that Disney had, I mean, in retrospect at the time, I was just like, I didn't, I was not aware of how other people were perceiving me. (laughs) So like, so, um, so we, you know, we heard about the show, we saw the characters, we, you know, we were like, all right, well, um, let us submit some idea, you know, we'll write some stuff and see if any of this is kind of like in the ballpark. And then, you know, we'll go from there. And, we ended up writing a song that was like the theme song and they loved it. And literally two weeks later, we had a contract to be that we had our own series composing music for Doc McStuffins. And so that's what I did for um, almost a decade, write songs for Doc McStuffins. And that gave way to, you know, we did music for Vampirina and DC superhero girls and, um, and, Basically, that's what I've been doing ever since. The dog is in, and she'll fix you up. If you're a toy, then you're in luck. It's okay, don't be afraid. The dog really knows her stuff. Do, 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 you know it's good for you. The dog is gonna help you feel better. Oh, 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 it's the place to go when you feel alive. I mean, here's what I love about you is like you're you're tougher than you know the most angsty like you know rock band you know you're tougher than Alice in Chains or Motorhead but you have this like <laughs> cheerfulness about your approach to music that like you know you, like you said you don't take yourself seriously you take the work seriously but like you seem to be able to like go I can inject this with some energy and you do it with a cheerfulness and a, and a you know Stop me. But you, you know what I mean? It, it's like. I, thank you for saying that. That's a really nice thing to hear. Um, I'm, I'm, I, there is not, um, I don't have a cynical bone in my body. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like incredibly psyched that I get to, and even like, you know, my experiences in the music, I've been in the music business for a long ass time. I have seen some shit. Yeah. And you know what? None of it at all pales in comparison to the shit that I saw when I was waiting tables. And I want to fucking go back there. Right. So <laughs> I am, I am so happy to like, and I just, I, it's, it's magic. Like I get to do a magic trick every day. I mean, it's, it's not really, it seems like a magic trick is actually at this point, very highly skilled 
labor that right. I provide, but right. like, it's still a magic trick. It, it, I'm still blown away by it. Yeah. Like I, there's never a day when I'm just like, Oh, well, I guess I have to do this. It's just like, I can't believe I just wrote. A, I'm pretty convinced every time I write a song that it's the last one. Right. Cause like, where's another one ever going to come from? Where's it going to come from? Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I've been bitching about that since I was 25. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't you, but don't you feel that way? Isn't it just like, how did I? Always. What is that? Yeah. 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 Are Do you, you still write songs? Yes. Are you still, are you writing songs? Yeah. I'm, st I'm still trying to write songs. Yeah. I'm still working on it. Don't you have, are you going to go on a tour soon? Did, didn't your first solo record turn 20 this year? I'm really glad you asked about that because I just launched a website, my new website today and announced the pre-sale of my fall to solo tour wow. and um, the pre-order for my the 20-year vinyl remastered for vinyl double album uh -huh. of Cherry Marmalade for the 20-year anniversary. It turns 20 this month. Nice. Happy my birthday. Solo record. Thank you. Such so when do you start this tour? Um, on September 24th. Shit. And um, we will cross paths. Yeah, so I, it's just it's a mini tour. When where are you going? When are you going? We're doing a twenty year anniversary for this record that we put out called Here Comes the Zoo. So you know we start in September and we'll we'll be in LA and your other neck of the woods and you know all that stuff. Before we forget, uh, what was that website you said you were launching today? khanley.com my brand new website and so you can order my <laughs> my double album that i like lovingly and and um so my first solo record was written at the tip it was like i started writing it at the end of the last cleo tour and uh right before i sort of like um actually I started writing it when I found out that I was pregnant with Zoe Mabel. Uh -huh. And um, and it's like, I, I wrote a bunch of songs and I brought them to Mike Deneen, who was the Cle Letters to Cleo producer. And he was just like, you know, he, he really encouraged me to make the record and he and I <clears throat> hold up. And it was the first time I ever did something that was just like totally mine. And I fought for like, to, to make it and and um and it was just like me and mike and this it was just the most amazing experience and by the time i went to make it zoe was a year and a half and wow. so she was like in the studio with us and and uh and then when i toured on it i was already pregnant with my son and like there are pictures of me like playing all those songs like with a with a black you know with this black beauty gretch strapped to my pregnant belly and right. like it just like I, that record has had so much meaning to me and my only sadness is that Mike died a couple of years ago of cancer and yeah and um it's um it my only sadness is that he is not here to celebrate the 20-year anniversary of it was really an accomplishment and uh and something that i'm really really proud of and very excited that yeah, it gets it, to live again on vinyl yeah, he was the guy that was at the center of a lot of stuff in Boston. Right? Yeah, yeah, yep. yep. He uh, he was just just a, a a music, you know, like real a real producer. You know, he was he was when we wrote when 
we wrote here and now like it was a completely different arrangement and he was like just a an amazing arranger and and uh <laughs> first of all the fast talking part in here and now did yeah. not happen until like it wasn't even really a chorus it happened like halfway through the song and then there's a part that i i now consider to be the real hook of the song which is before the chorus it's the and it might be like that is like the hook right. i think and um that happened once as an ad lib at the end of the song and he was like oh fuck no that needs to happen immediately right before and the chorus and that fast talking part is the chorus like that you need to move that to the front of the song and and uh and without him that was not a hit I'm not 
Ben watched 10 Things I Hate About You last night with his, his daughter. Ben, you got something Yay. to say about that? Well, it's like her favorite movie. And I was like, oh, we're good. Really? Go. Yeah, which I find strange. She's not a Taming of the Shrew fan? Right. right. I mean, you know, yeah. th- th- I mean, certainly there's a way to read Taming of the Shrew as some kind of feminist manifesto. But um, yeah. what did I know? It was just great. I, and I was like, I, that last shot of you guys rocking out on the roof of that was what what is that building was that an actual high school what is that yeah that is tacoma high school oh my god that thing yeah. is insane i have a good story about that you want to yeah hear of course yeah. Okay. so i was quitting my band i had decided to become a sommelier and what? i had gone to work Where did you get this idea high end, <laughs> at a very high end uh this was before go actually uh-huh. very high end wine store in boston one day, Creamer, Michael Creamer gets a call. This is one of the benefits of having the same manager. Like, it's the same guy's been picking up the phone for, right. like, you always know where to find us. Yeah. So, gets this call. <clears throat> um, from, I don't know if you remember this guy, Scott, from your, if you ever did any of these, but this guy, Ralph Saul, he had this, he, he positioned himself as being, like, the soundtrack guy in uh-huh. the 90s. And he hired all of his favorite bands to do cover songs for teen movies in the 90s. Yeah. So. That was a thing. So that was a real it was fucking a thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was all Ralph Saul. So. Um, like the soundtrack to Ralph The Craft? And like all yes, that, kind of, that yeah. was him. Yeah. That okay. was him. All right. Same guy. So, um, he, he, so we get a call. Can you come to L.A. for the weekend to record some songs for this movie? And we're like, okay. So, mm-hmm. and they always fly it. We get paid a lot of money, fly us out. Back then, the budgets for this stuff were just stupid, you know? Right. So, put you up and uh, and just record cover songs all weekend. So, we were at, at Ocean Way and we were like, fine. Wow. So, we come to LA, hole up at Ocean Way and um, record songs all weekend. And I'm expected back at the wine store like on Monday for my wine shift. Uh-huh. And so, um, <laughs> We get a call from, or Ralph gets a call from the director, Gil Younger. Of the, they're filming uh, while we're while we're making the music. They're filming up in Seattle, and um, <clears throat> the director is like, "We need uh, we need a band for the, a couple of scenes in the movie." And Ralph's like, "Well, what is Cleo here?" So he's like, "What do they look like?" So he passes. <laughs> it's literally, do they fit the suit? <laughs> Do they fit Faxes the suit? Yeah. and mimeographs. Yeah. You've got an awesome <laughs> career-spanning relationship. But at the time, faxes were yeah. like really new back yeah, then. Yeah. You know? yeah. so I was yeah. like, fax a picture. He's like, they look great. Send them up. And we're like, so the next thing you know, I called the wine store. I had to quit. I was like, I guess I'm back in my band now. And they're like, okay. <laughs> so we, like, we go up to Seattle and um, – and one shot, you know, we're just supposed to do one scene, which leads to another scene, which leads to that roof scene. So, and the whole time I was doing in like hair and the hair and makeup chair for like a couple of days with Heath Ledger, who was, Jesus. this is his first American role wow. that Gil had found him and like hired him for his first American role. He could not have been sweeter. He was so, his mind was blown that he was like on this Hollywood movie. Wow. And he was just like the sweetest, sweetest guy. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, so the day, the last scene that we shot was this on the roof of Tacoma High. We did not know it was going to be on the roof. So it's like the, the 
you you can see in the movie it's like the school is very ornate it's just a beautiful piece of architecture and hair and makeup's done we walk in we know that we're going to be like you know doing playback to to um cheap tricks i want you to want me which is we were so proud of that recording we had so much fun and um so we walk into the school and then we walk up to this first floor and then we walk up we're just following the production assistants up to the second floor and we're like oh we're you know where the gymnasium's not down here you know and we're like what where are we going and then we get to like an attic they open a door we go into like an attic that's like just nothing but there's like a hole in the roof that you can see there's like a with a with a with a ladder Right. Pressed against the it's whole like the end of Vertigo. We're like, yeah. <laughs> we're like, what is happening? So we're we're like, they're like, yeah, just walk up on, and we're like, what are you talking? So we like, wh- we're just doing what? So we walk up the ladder onto the roof, and it's just like instantly like, oh no, yeah. you know, it's like the roof is the, it's probably like, I mean, to me, it seemed like a postage stamp because it was so high up in the sky. Right. Like overlooking the Puget Sound, and um, and then we hear, um, okay, so this is going to be a helicopter shot, and Gil has been told by Disney that he's not allowed to do it, so they don't fuck it up because every time you do it, so Gil Younger was specifically told, do not do this shot. He did it, and he hired the helicopter. Why was he told he not to do this shot? Anyway. It was cost prohibitive because it was too expensive. Too expensive. Okay. It was right. like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something like that, right. and they were like, "Under no circumstances are you allowed to do this shot." He should have just and used a like, drone. Mm. It would have been cheaper. There was no such thing as drones. Oh, that's then. right. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, um, so we're just like, uh, I mean, as it is, it's just like chicken wire is like supposedly keeping us safe from blowing off the roof to our depths into the Puget Sound. Um, and it it's already windy. just it was windy. Terri- it was terrifying. And so they're like, all right, so don't fuck it up. And we're like, we have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> the next thing you know, they start playing the song. A, 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 a huge helicopter rises up to the top of the over us. And we're like, oh, boy. And dive bombs did not tell us that the dive bombs us. And we're like, shit, shit. And I'm just thinking, keep thinking, don't mess it up. I don't even know Gil. I don't care if if he gets in trouble with Disney or has to do it again. But I'm so obedient that I was just like, okay, I won't mess it up. Anyway, we ended up doing it twice. And it's kind of like the most iconic shot. You know, it's just amazing. And right. people ask me about it all the time. And I, I did get to know Gil later like our kids you know when we moved to la we became friends with gil and now i know because of knowing him as a person why he would defy disney and do that i mean he could have been john landis that day and you could have been vic morrow i mean that was oh, oh my god don't say that well i'm glad I'm it, i'm glad it didn't work out that way i i'm glad it didn't work out that way too i'm glad i'm alive talking to you and no. It's chopped up by helicopter propeller. Glad you're alive with a head. <laughs> what do you got, Gabe? You skipped over something that was pretty cool in my eyes. Uh, some point, maybe around 2010, I think, you did something called Palmdale. Mm. And you, you recorded a song that ended up being one of my favorite covers of a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Where you played Bound for the Floor. And you did your kind of yeah. own version of it. Uh, yeah. 
what what made you want to do something like that? And Wait, have we ever talked about this? I've completely forgot about this. Yeah. Yeah. Have we ever talked? Did I mean I when we've been I hanging out you. at the hot stove thing? Have we? Did we talk about this? I think I asked you back in the day. Like I emailed you and I said, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing this." Do you mind? And you gave me your blessing, and then I don't think we ever talked about it again. <laughs> Scott, you might want to call some kind of songwriters advocacy group to see yeah. if there's something that can be done. <laughs> oh my God, I totally never even finished. I'm sorry, I'm such a blabbermouth. I <laughs> never even finished the story about Sona. <laughs> but anyway, we did do that, and um, and I love that song, and I I had been wanting to cover that song for like for a long time and wanted to do different versions of it. And, and it just Why? so happened I was in that. Cause I just always thought that it would be so cool to have like a twee girl version yeah. of that song. Yeah. And it's it didn't end twee up already, being, but it's not twee at all, <laughs> it's twee. but, um, but like it, it, you know, I still, I, it's still not the version that I wanted to do. Um, but anyway, yes, we did do that. And that what's, was, that was very fun. What's the version you wanted to do? I kind of wanted to do more like of a John Bryan kind of like twinkly. That's what I thought you were going to say. Of yeah. It. yeah, kind of like um, like spooky, but really pretty. Need some strings. So, yeah, but like some Mellotron strings. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, oh, like yeah. some Chamberlains and shit. Right. And right. some twinkly like toy piano up top or something. I don't know, but. I can't believe we never talked about that. That is so weird to me. Yeah. Well, yeah. But now we are. And now, now we, we can stop.
Well, it's no Fastway. <laughs> Were you a fan of the band Fastway? No. Did you I ever didn't hear even know the, the band, band Fastway? Fastway? No. <laughs> they were great. No. They were great. Uh, it was Fast Eddie Clark from Motorhead. It was yeah. uh, Pete Way from UFO. It was Jerry huh. Shirley from Humble Pie. And the singer was this guy, Whoa. Dave King, who is now in, what's the name of his band? The huge Irish band that, that did the Not song. The no, but I think they have the song in the the Departed. The Departed. Oh, the drop, not the Dropkicks, of course. Not, not the Dropkick right. Murphys. Um, um, the which, by the way, you flogging should Molly. Talk to Kenny, flogging Molly. You should talk to Kenny Casey from the Dropkicks. He would be a really person to talk to. For We'd you. love to. Are you like a total like? Are you a band and you're like an encyclopedia kind of person? I don't think so but i mean the thing about it is like one of the best parts about being in music is that you get to hang out with other musicians and i still yeah i love that you know and you know you do you I've... love to you love to hang out with other musicians I... <laughs> oh, yeah, no I and i'm not i feel like i keep asking you things the wrong way like i asked uh. you so you still write i didn't mean do you still write music i meant do you like are you writing that music is so like cute today? you still and write like, music no <laughs> yeah, and, you, keep... and other musicians let you hang out with them oh Oh, interesting. No. Yeah. I, keep, <laughs> I keep saying things wrong. <laughs> no, it's like, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm grouping out, you know, but it's just like, I want to talk shop, you know, I want to talk about music. Yeah. yeah, no, I get it. I do. And I guess I feel the same way, but only with certain kinds of, like, I'm thinking, I was thinking about when you were, when you were just naming all the guys from the band, from the from Fastway and all the bands that they were in. My friend, Sam Hollander, who is a songwriter, um, but he's never been like a front guy. He's always been just like a song, like he's an old school songwriter. And he is that guy, like he could just name every, you know, like the side project of and all the deep cuts and, and, uh, and he would be a great person to, I just want to help you book more people on your show. You should just give us a list and we'll just go go down it. It's perfect. Okay. All right. Final question. Do you yeah. like Iron Maiden? Um, it's fine. Okay. I didn't really, I didn't really go through, I, my metal phase was comprised of uh, Dire of a Madman. Wow, you like that record? Oh, one of my favorites, one of my oh. all-time favorites. Oh. And like, you know, um, so and good. then after, and and then I heard the Smiths, and my life was over. Yeah, it was just like yeah. I never had a punk rock fit. I went from I went from disco to rap, stopped off at metal. Smiths over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So you like Diary of Madman? So my wife would love you, but she's. Then I, I hear you have this uh, this relationship with this football team, which would uh, make her not love you oh, at all. She's yeah. from New York, and she has oh a problem God. with a certain ball team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I thought I thought I mean everybody has a problem with the Pats, but you wouldn't have until fifteen twenty years ago, right? As soon as Brady came and made us successful, it was like, but five minutes before Brady came, we had Bledsoe, who was just like this lovable. We just had a normal, good team. But five years before that, 
the team sucked my entire life. Like the 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 amazing sort of like arrogant patriots that we have that is America loves to hate. Like that's new to me. That was not always it was not always us, is really? what I'm saying. Yeah. No. So you you think you deserve it. Oh, uh, uh yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. you know, like, what, no, you know, I think Belichick all... is a dick. I think that, but I love Tom, but I, I love Tom Brady and Gronk. Like, there's just like, there's a lot of like, char- like delicious characters in there that are like, it's really fun, like from a fan fiction kind of delicious characters inside of Tom Brady. Is that what you're saying? No, He's no, like the no. <laughs> he seems like it to me. <laughs> but like, I mean, don't you think that like, Gronk and Brady are like a hilarious power couple. Like, I mean, they're so funny, and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not anymore because they're like, no. <laughs> I, well, I, I don't know the first thing about football and how I ended up with the woman oh. who loves football. I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> well, do you like any sports? Any sports ball? No, we were at that Cubs game, and I could not have been more bored. That's why I was talking your ear off. Well, I was like, oh my God. No, you embrace the boredom. It's America's pastime. I, I do it's like not, that. Um, it's not America's activity. Like when I lived down the street from Fenway, like on Sunday mornings, I'd make a cup of coffee, grab my New Yorker. Um, right. Michael, my husband, who is now my ex-husband, would like grab a you know, New York Times and crossword puzzle. And we'd just like go scalp some tickets, go to the game. I'd read my New Yorker have a beer, you know, like, it's yeah. just like, that's what you're supposed to do with baseball. It's like you watch and then you talk and then you watch and then you eat a hot dog and then you watch and, you know. Right. Well, what do you think of soccer? You're supposed to be bored. Yeah, no, no, I, I get I, it. Like there's that that thing and it, it is American and, and I, I, I dig that much more than a football game. But what about soccer? I don't know anything about that. <laughs> you know, isn't the World Cup coming up? You should... Watch the World Cup, make a real effort to watch it, and then tell me what you think afterwards. Because I think it's fascinating. Or like, like football is like a Michael Bay movie. It's just like, no, not, not football. You mean football. soccer football? Like football, like American football or soccer? When you say which football? American football. And like, okay. like say basketball, too. Like, you know, people scoring okay. left and right. It's just like always something going on, just explosions left and right. right. And then like soccer and baseball kind of too is it's like an alfred hitchcock movie it's like you're waiting for something to happen mm, and then when it good. does the tension you know you know it, the release of tension and you're like yay yay that is a really good analog i Thank like you. that like alfred hitchcock um yeah no i would agree with you i um i frequently i i am um in the periphery of some very, very rabid uh, European football fans. Uh-huh. And, or I guess I shouldn't say European, but I mean, well, the people, you know, I, I'm a I know European. a lot of Brits. Hey, hey. <laughs> but I'm, mm-hmm. who do you follow for so- for soccer? I, I don't even care. Like, you know, like, like <laughs> one, one year that, you know, I wasn't on tour for, for that summer that it happened. And I just like, I was asleep. On, on the on the couch and I kept hearing the guy go messy 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 and I thought that he was like saying messy shot like that's a messy shot saying, you know he was talking about this player uh, oh. 
and his last name was Messi. And I became obsessed with this guy. But at first I was like, is that a thing that they do? They like, if that's a messy shot. And isn't there a, when was this by the way? That was like two, two cups ago. So that was like, two, what, eight oh, years two, ago? Two cups ago. Two cups ago. Oh, oh, eight years. Those okay. cups. Gotcha. It was about eight years ago. Yeah. And isn't there uh is, I would imagine that there is a team called the mercy, right? Is there a mercy team? Cause I, don't I, even I, know. I'm the worst I always soccer fan. Because of, um, <laughs> of um, Oliver's Army, the boys from the Mersey and the Thames and the Times. Right. But there's no danger. So I always assumed that that was a football team. Really? Well, a team from assumed. Mercy. That well, doesn't yeah, necessarily the boys mean... from the Mersey. Yeah, okay. We hmm. should find out. I'm not, I'm not going to do it right now. Ben, but... that's what Ben's here for. Ben, I'm just up. trying to wrap my head around that interpretation of Oliver's Army that has something to do with soccer. Well, just that moment, because he's... What does uh, he say? What's the context? There's no danger. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now I'm going to have to sing the whole song in my do head it. to get Here there. Here we go. Um, Ben's bits coming up. <laughs> but this is, that's at the end. Uh, but there's no danger. It's the professional No, it's in the middle. Fuck. I can't remember. Hmm. So much for your perfect memory for <laughs> lyrics and melody. I can sing. I can literally sing the entire song from the beginning for you. If you please do. I mean, Don't stop that, that talking. Here it goes. I could talk all night. Mama was sleepwalking. I'm putting the world to right. Call Korea's information. Have you got yourself an occupation? And then Oliver's army goes, Oliver's mm -hmm. army is here to stay. Oliver's army is on their way. And I would rather be anywhere else than here today. Uh, there was a checkpoint, Charlie. Yep. He didn't crack a smile. But it's no laughing party when you've been on the murder mile. All it takes one it. I'm not going to say the next line. <laughs> I was wondering what you're going to do. <laughs> you're on their way. Oh, so it's first. And I would rather be anywhere else than here today. Um, yeah, but so this is all about is like. For grabs. No. Mm -hmm. uh, and Don't stop her. is full of vibes. We can be in Palestine, overrun by a Chinese land with the boys from the Mersey and the Thames and the Times. Yes. There's no danger. But I, I think he's just talking about the area, right? I, he's not talking he's about talking about He's talking about wars and world yeah. wars. And so he's saying Hong Kong's up for grab, London is full of Arabs, we could be in Palestine overrun by the Chinese line with the boys from the Mersey and the Thames and the Tyne, which are all... I think are they all rivers? Are they all bodies of water in in England? Well, I don't know. Thames. I don't know the well, the Thames, is. yeah, the Thames, the Thames and, and the Tyne both. And are. Mersey, Mersey is. I think that there's a river. Like they always talk about the it's Mersey an area. Beat. I believe it's a beat. Yeah, it's a beat. Well, <laughs> <I believe> it's, <laughs> a beat. <laughs> it's the Mersey beat because it comes from Mersey, which is probably the name of the town, but I think is also the name of a body of water and the Tyne. Um, I'll look that up. Anyway, those I'm are pretty good lyrics. Football connection, yeah. Nice oh, job, so though. Okay. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, the River Tyne. The Tyne is a river in England. 
it's the te- it's the Thames, the one that goes right and, by yes. the the that's, palace. That's the one right? that would always be at the end of the uh, Benny Hill shows, right? And it says, "What is the river? What is the River Mercy famous for? The ferries across the River Mercy are Liverpool's, perhaps the world's most famous river crossing. There you go. Three bodies of water, not three soccer teams. All right. But you're probably right. There probably is some kind of soccer team or football. Some team stuff just gets in the there, and I just I think it's true. No, but I, I a lot of things that I think are true. Like I just made them up." Yes. So, <laughs> as yeah. would be the case here. <laughs> You're like this country. Oh, there is a soccer I club. I feel it, it's true. <laughs> There's a soccer club established in 1985 called the Mersey Soccer Club. Oh, right. she's right. God damn. Yeah, Thank God. All right. Jesus. Oh. Cue the last song. <laughs> <laughs> 